Welcome to the Throwback Podcast. This is the podcast where Travis and Susie talk shit about all the movies of their childhood, those made in the 80s and 90s, and see how they stack up through a 2021 lens. Enjoy. Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else in between and undecided, and welcome to Expedition 14 of the Throwback, the podcast where we dig deep down into the trauma that was our childhood and teen years and look at the films that made us and hold them up to the bright, unforgiving sunlight of 2021. Joining me, as always, is the indefatigable Susie Jones. How are you this evening? I am good. It's Mother's Day. I'm feeling good and like a good daughter. So that never hurts. Yes, I feel like a good daughter as well. I visited mum in Geelong. I am from Geelong. Dear listeners, do not hold that against me. And it was a glorious day for it. What a what a weird start to May it's been. It's been uniformly beautiful. sunny. And yeah, warm beautiful and sunshine. Safe. Like driving out to I, my parents' place today, I was like, I, I was pulling sunglasses out. I had I didn't even have them ready because I was not expecting to need them. I I had to literally at one point inside go inside because I was afraid I was going to get burnt. <laughs> yep. Because yep. Of being as white as sour cream as I am, I get burnt by thinking about how I don't want to get burnt. Oh, uh, and I think I think all I can say is I think it's the apocalypse. That's that's probably what we're staring at here. There'll be you know next stage there'll be locusts. And it's going to be good. Speaking of locusts, though, this week's film, it's been a bit of a break. You know, life got in the way. My co-host, burgeoning business superstardom, you know, will always take front seat. You know, one day someone's going to be downloading this podcast. They're going to go, wow, you know, like they were making this tiny little podcast and like, you know, you're on the front cover of like the Wall Street Journal or something, hopefully for the right reasons. Yes, um, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Not for like investigation or you know something like that. I'm thinking of um, what's the name? Uh, Theranos lady. Um, yes, yes. Well, I'm definitely not like Theranos lady. <laughs> Theranos lady. Yeah, your shit actually works. Yes. Anyway, uh, the, the actual core of a show. What? What? Well, if you are joining us for the first time, what is the throwback? The throwback is a an exploration of the films that really made up the, the the core of our identity as kids and teens. You know, we're of a similar age, Susie and I, we're talking the 80s, 90s, maybe we could squeak into the early 2000s somewhere. And we hold them up, as I sort of said, and we dig through and we sort of go, how does this hold up to the modern world? Sometimes, pretty good. I'm thinking Bill and Ted or Wayne's World, we both really liked. And then there's the last episode of these things we recorded which I believe was Poison Ivy, in which case, if you're interested in a, you know, a feminist rant about uh, the treatment of uh, young women in early 90s erotic thrillers, and I know you are, uh, <laughs> you can uh, dig up that episode, which hopefully by the time this episode is available, that episode will also be available. I promise uh, it will. I really, I promise it will. <laughs> We've moved on to a slightly higher standard of crap this week no crap's the wrong word very much a different standard of film this week this week's film is the 1995 academy award-winning uh scottish history drama biopic 
Braveheart, starring and directed by Mel Gibson. IMDb rates this as the 79th best film of all time mm. out of its top 250. It has an 8.3 rating. So uh, just to, uh, for those of us, as I know, I'm curious, what did Poison Ivy have? Uh, Poison Ivy from 1992. I don't think it would be quite on the same scale. It had a 5.4 and funnily enough, was not in the top 250 films of all time, according to INDB. So Braveheart, uh, as I said, uh, Mel Gibson won the best picture and I think best director, but won mm-hmm. five Oscars in total. Yep. Um, Scottish warrior William Wallace leads his countrymen in a rebellion to free his homeland from the tyranny of King Edward I of England. This is actually the first time I had ever seen this film from start to finish. I've seen bits of it. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that this is this is one of yours. This is suggested it's by you to add to the world. Yeah, definitely one of mine. Uh, what did you make of it so many years later? I, uh, look, I still found it a beautiful film to watch. Cinematically, it was gorgeous. Um, I, I found it really um, entertaining. It engaged me from start to finish. But certainly looking at it through the eyes of a 39-year-old woman versus a, what was I, a 13-year-old girl when I first watched this, um, I certainly picked up on some themes that disturbed me a lot more now. Um, but even with, I mean, it's an incredibly violent movie, um, but I, I love the message in it. Um, look, I, I still thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it, even though there are aspects of it that I find very, very problematic now. What, um, what part of the message do you enjoy most? What do you think the message of this film? What, what do you think it's saying? So I, I really like the, the whole um, uh, community aspect that, you know, by banding together, it doesn't matter what kind of tyranny is being held over you. You can, you can fight back. You, you, you are worth fighting back. You are worth, um, you are worth more um, than what society is telling you you are worth. Um, I like the whole fighting for freedom and, and, you know, rising up against people that are trying to keep you down. Um, there were certainly some aspects of the way that they rose up in this movie that I have a few concerns with, but, um, you know, uh, I will always stand up for the guy or the girl that is being held down by others, particularly when it's by brutal means. So it's almost an anti-bullying story if to, to take it to an, an unusual level, I mean, yeah. sort of on a countrywide level. Absolutely. Um, I, I would agree that the film looks amazing. Like even, even what are we, 26 years later? Yeah. Uh, it's really beautifully shot. Um, the vistas of Scotland. I've, have you been to Scotland? No, I haven't. I haven't still. Nor have I. I would love to go. And this film makes me want to go to Scotland. Yes. Significantly more. I, I believe it was shot there. I don't think it was uh, shot uh, Well, else. I actually think a lot of it was Scott in Ireland, uh, was shot in Ireland rather than Scotland. Um, uh, but yes. It, yeah, I, well, yeah. I, I am surprised. Filming locations, according to IMDb, Arizona. I picked that if you didn't. Yeah, that's where the castles were. Just kidding. Ah. Um, um, here are some Ireland, UK, Scotland. So I imagine some of it at least might have okay. been shot in Scotland. Who knows? Bits. Yeah. Um, the opening sequences were shot in Scotland, apparently. I don't know. Um, but it's certainly it's certainly a pretty movie. Yes. Um, and 
one thing that I guess took me by surprise, which I wasn't expecting, because it has this reputation as being this inspiring, you know, uh, historical drama. Mm. Uh, I was surprised at the amount of violence in this film. Obviously, there's a rebellion and there's going to be lots of fighting. <clears throat> I was thinking maybe more in line with a film like Troy. Yeah. Um, you know, um, whereas... No, it was closer to uh, 300 than Troy. I would, yeah, so maybe even worse. I was gonna say, than, than say, Gladiator. I think this is actually more brutal than Gladiator, even. I would agree um, with that. Um, in the sense that there are limbs being lopped off and all sorts of crazy shit going on in the battle scenes. Like, it, it kind of all of a sudden, when I when I was watching it going, I'm like, of course it does, of course it does, of <laughs> course it's incredibly brutal. Who's the director? The director is Mel Gibson. Now, Mel Gibson hasn't directed a whole lot of, of cinema. He, funny enough, considering he's actually an Academy Award winning director. And it's a whole anti-Semitism thing got in the way. I, I was um, going to say, I feel like he was on a certain trajectory and then well and truly took himself off that path. Um, well, if then this, well, well, it would have been the early 2000s, right? He did that, I reckon um maybe a bit later but between 95 and 2004 he directed nothing yeah he uh, was as braveheart the passion of a christ apocalypto and hacksaw ridge yeah uh all fine films excuse me i don't have verona um so all fine films but if you've seen them and i have seen all of those he did direct man of a face as well which i have not seen um but they are all incredibly violent films and graphically, brutally violent films. Like uh, Paxwell Ridge's Second World War film, Apocalypto is set in the Aztec civilization. There's human sacrifices going on. Um, Passion of a Christ. Wow. I mean, yeah. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> let's just say Jesus didn't come out of that intact. Mm. Um, uh, so, I mean, if you, have you seen Passion of a Christ? I haven't. I have not seen any of those other ones that he has directed. I would recommend the first two. I don't know about Passion of a Christ. If you're obviously, if you're a particularly faithful person, you probably already have seen it. It's reasonably well done, but my goodness, he it is torture porn for Jesus, right? Is the the eighty eight lashes or whatever where you slash the well, shit out well, of him? It's, it's, it's like, actually that's actually why I haven't watched it. It's not because I am uh, an, a forced, um, a very forceful atheist, which I am. Um, but it was actually because I had heard it was so much more violent than Braveheart. And I went, you know what? I feel like Braveheart is probably my limit. Um, I, I've seen a few shows that are worse than that. I mean, obviously, I love Quentin Tarantino and there's definitely some of his that probably go well and truly beyond. Um, but, yeah, I, I am not interested in watching torture porn. So the moment, moment it kind of switches to that, I'm, I'm out. And I think Quentin's style of violence is very different. Um, it's kind of almost played for laughs at times, comical. Yeah. Um, where it's, Mel, to his credit, it plays out like you might imagine a medieval battle in some ways played out. I mean, there will be people losing limbs and stuff like that. There are large, sharp metal implements with pointy ends poking people. Yes. Uh, and, you know, it's gonna, someone's going to put an eye out. It's going to happen. Uh, but so that was a little bit, I suppose I hadn't thought about it. I just didn't go into this film expecting such a high level of violence and well, graphic think, violence. I, I think that's not surprising that when you think about the sort of the, the rhetoric around Braveheart, people talk about the love story, people talk about the William Wallace fighting for Scotland's freedom. 
but they don't talk about, you know, what that involves. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me that as somebody that hadn't ever watched it from start to finish, that you were taken aback by that because it's it's not the way that it's positioned in the media or spoken about. And also, despite the fact I should have expected it because that's what Mel does, mm. but also it won some very big Oscars, like I said, Best Picture, Best Director, I think. And it's rare that they will take on uh, or they will give you award to something that's so graphically violent. True. And also, I'm surprised it wasn't more controversial at the time. If you think back to the mid-90s, so for my other podcast at the moment, the Armchair Producers available to be downloaded wherever quality podcasts are available. Um, we are reviewing Natural Born Killers this week. Yeah. Um, and that's, I'm just working through that at the moment. And it's insanely violent. And you don't even remember the controversy about, that came out about the same time, a year or so earlier, I think, of the insane number uh, level of violence in that film. But I guess maybe the difference is that this film is set 700 years ago. And, and so I, I do think do. that is the difference because this is a historical biopic. Um, I do think that that makes the, the big difference. So you can, you can be incredibly brutally violent as long as it's not present day. Um, but I guess these are all things that sort of fed into my thinking. It was a bit taken aback by the level of violence. And it's certainly not a, a, an advertisement against this film, by the way. That yeah. said, it should probably be kept in mind if you have. Um, I recommended my podcast to someone recently when I remembered they had children. Uh, not this podcast, um, but <laughs> I'm like, hang on a second. Yeah, there are some rude words. So, you know, yeah. maybe wait until they've gone to bed. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, this is if you have small children or you are particularly sensitive to, to graphic violence, then then give this one a miss. Because as you sort of as you sort of noted, it's not torture porn, but it does push the envelope a little it, bit at times. It definitely pushes the envelope for sure. Where I might have had a problem with this film a little bit more than than perhaps is traditional or, or the vast majority of people, because I love this film apparently, 8.3 IMDb, is is I uh, I think I've talked in the show before about my friend Dell and what I call the Dell effect, uh, <laughs> is when something doesn't make scientific sense in a film anymore, he's out. Um, and for me, I think I've discovered my own Dell effect. And that is if something I know is incredibly historically inaccurate, but trying to sell me that it's based on a real story, I'm going to be like, yeah, I don't know. And, uh, and so, this is this has so many um, very well-known historical inaccuracies. So absolutely. I think so. I didn't know. I think so, the question I think is, is reputation preceded it for me in this. I am, believe it or not, not a, a scholar in 17, 13th century British history. Um, or, <laughs> it's not my area of expertise. So I'm not clever enough to go, well, actually, the Battle of Stirling Bridge, there was a b b bridge there, and the horses, you know, and not, or, you know, the face paint, you know. I've seen people reviews where they're like, oh, he's wearing fake blue face paint, and nobody had worn that kind of blue face paint for a thousand years since the pits. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I mean, Whatever. How do we know, right? Like, I mean, that's a, it's a bit ticky touch wood, but um, I guess I knew it had this reputation mm -hmm. for being incredibly historically inaccurate. Uh, and I think some of that, so I guess what I had in mind while I was watching it is going, a lot of this is going to be made up bullshit. And that takes me out as a historian of sorts, um, that takes me out of a picture a little bit. Um, I suspect, though, that I'm a bit 
uh, the weirdo in that sense. I don't think that would does it worry you at all when you see a film based on a true story. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't worry me when, um, again, when it's a, a you know a historical biopic, um, because you know whilst sure um, you know very very well respected scholars say no, it didn't happen like that. I'm sorry, but who the fuck really knows what happened 800 years ago? Um, I'm like I'm, so I'm I'm less concerned about it when that's the case. Um, but I, there were certainly some aspects of this that were included for theatrical reasons. I'm guessing um, that were not historically correct. That actually really seriously pissed me off. So um, ordinarily that wouldn't bother me, but there's a there's a couple of trigger points in this. Now that you mentioned it, I'm curious to hear what they are. Well, um, the first one and the big one is that um, the Order of Prima Nocta has never in the history of Britain been declared. Um, it was used in France um, and other parts of mainland Europe, but it was never declared in Brit Britain. So then you think about, okay, why was it included in this movie? Well, it was included in this woman, in this movie just to... Um, basic just to play on the fact that you know um the princess was gorgeous and to make her feel uncomfortable and to make her be more of an object in this film um i feel like they had already shown how um just how brutal longshanks was and that whole inclusion was entirely unnecessary and made you know like one of the the five women that actually have speaking parts in this movie even more of an object and I it, it was unnecessary and you know when I was watching it the other night at your place I was seriously pissed off by it interestingly the wikipedia page for it is part of a series on violence against women so that tells you where the concept belongs and it also notes that the right of prima noctis might have existed in medieval Europe but other historians have concluded it is a myth Yes. So um, I guess that doesn't really matter at the end of the day, considering what the filmmakers were using it for. Um, that's the kind of thing that bothers me a lot. Or the introduction of Princess Isabella. Princess yeah. Isabella wasn't even in England when William no. Wallace died. No. So that's what I mean. Like, I mean, like, do they wear blue face paint or not? Yeah, really, do we care? It looked cool. Yeah. Um, you know, did they ride their horses that way? Yeah, whatever. But like, a key character in the film was two years old when she was supposed to marry, um, get married. And you're like, yeah, that seems lazy. And that's that's the second part of this whole movie that really pisses me off watching it now. It's like, I'm sorry, but no matter how, it, it, you know, forgetting the fact that that character was a real princess and no way was she there at that time, what really annoys me is that whole storyline that. She, she finds her marriage so loveless that she falls in love with the idea of this guy that is going around burning down um, everything that her married family has fought for and then sleeps with them the second time she met it. Like, it just the whole thing, I'm just like, this is, it, it's so unnecessary, it's so unhelpful. Um, and to the whole story, it really was unnecessary and unhelpful. Um, there's no, there's absolutely no reason for them to have slept together for, you know, the whole, her pregnant thing. It was just, it, it was just another way of objective, objectifying her and women in the movie. And it really, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. She didn't have a lot of agency in the film and no. it was, it was, an, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. 
it, no. it, it did lead to that one cool line at the end where the king's dying yeah. and she whispers cool. in his ear, your bloodline's going to die. A, yeah. you know, a child is inside me and it's not your son's, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I guess leading on from that, the other part of the story that I thought was because we get down and dirty in the politics these days mm-hmm. in this in this podcast is is there is a, a scent of homophobia in oh, yeah. this film, in the, oh, in yeah. the treatment of... Um, What's the character's name? A king's son, Prince is it Prince Edward? Yeah, he is um, Edward as well. Prince Edward, yeah. Uh, in the sense, he is portrayed as a very effeminate mm-hmm. um, homosexual. Uh, my very limited research says that there's no real evidence that says he was, and that kind yeah. of could have been some a, a rumor that was spread later to discredit him, considering mm-hmm. the bloke had five kids. Yeah. Um, it's not to say he couldn't have been bisexual, but like it probably wasn't common at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in that period of England. Uh, and at one point in time, the king actually throws his, you know, he's into his lover, I guess, his gay lover, out the window, um, which, mm, that, that was seriously problematic, the whole angle on him being gay and then killing his his friend slash lover by throwing him out a window. I found that pretty repulsive, frankly. And same here, and it was, it was portrayed as... Um, his, he saw his son as being weak and so therefore he must be gay and so therefore and it, like it was just kind of a, a series of therefore 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 and I'm like nah it's it's not okay I don't think that would fly today if you were going to as a we use our usual test could you do this today uh, I'm very very sorry to say well, maybe you get away with a prima noctis thing and maybe you get away with princess Isabella You'd probably get a bit of uproar about it, but you, I just do not think you could get away with betraying the, you know, a homosexual character, potentially homosexual character of that way, and and his, you know, uh, and and another one being another homosexual character in a film being murdered on yeah. screen, um, and in a, in a fairly brutal manner. Um, I guess I, I feel like I'm being very negative here, but I guess all of these little things did. Took away from my enjoyment of the film. It, it took it's away a from three what is hour otherwise film. a beautiful, beautiful film, and and incredibly well made. I mean that that act the acting in it is amazing um, from just about everybody. Um, everybody's portrayal. I mean, we we spoke about the the young boy that plays the young William Wallace. He's only in it for the first ten or fifteen minutes of the movie, but his portrayal is actually amazing in it. Um, so that uh, the even, acting even, is um, second to none. Even Sophie Marceau, who you called out, who played Princess Isabel, she's yeah. a very fine actress, and it's really disappointing that she didn't have more to do in this yeah. film. And in fact, that was very sad about her little jaunt into Hollywood because she also played um, an antagonist in a James Bond film and wasn't given much to do in that either, except be good looking. Yeah. Um, so you're right; it's it's the acting is of a high quality, I guess. Um, I don't know about Mel's accent, but I'll give it a pass because he is very charismatic. Yes. Um, just because I'm a negative asshole, I'm going to go back into one of the other things that bothered me was his constant rambling about freedom mm. and patriotism. And I just don't think that those concepts existed at that point in time, or certainly not in the sense that, that, that we think of them and certainly not in the sense that William is trying to sell them. Um, yeah, at one point, he refers to people as patriots. I, feel, I, I don't have the research to back me up on this, but I feel like it's a very modern word 
and the context is using it in is a very modern context. Yeah, um, I, 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 I agree I, with the, the use of that word, but um, I, I mean, I honestly had never thought about it before. I, 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 I don't know that I agree that um, the concept and even that the, that freedom was not something that was fiercely fought for back then. I don't know that I agree with that. Um, I agree I that. I think freedom, it is what we think it is now. I mean, for starters, England didn't even really occupy Scotland at the time. Uh, but this Ooh, film is set. Are you sure? I mean, I feel like... Yeah, there was, there was a very sketchy sort of... There was this King of Scotland from 1292. Again, I'm not a historian on this, but I think the whole... The, the film's portrayal that there's like there was this British boot on the throat of Scotland at the time isn't entirely accurate. And I think it might... And I might go so far as... And please, dear listener, if I am wrong, do send in sternly worded letters. But I think <laughs> it may actually have been that they didn't really occupy they may have had you know some fairly severe influence there but i don't know that they occupied it in a way that it was portrayed in the film in I the time that william wallace was alive yeah i don't know that i don't know that it was quite the way that they portrayed it in the film but i don't agree that england didn't occupy um i mean robert robert the bruce and the the, the portrayal of robert the bruce is the one that most regularly comes up as being controversial because he was um, he is one of the most well-loved um, Scottish kings ever. Um, and in this, he was, you know, basically portrayed as a, a weak trader. Yeah, and, and a traitor to, to Scotland. And that's not the way that Scottish um, people typically think of Robert the Bruce. But I feel like he um, uh, was fighting for their independence in like 1306, which is not long after when this movie was actually set. So... I, I I feel like they were occupied, but perhaps not to the extent that is portrayed in this movie. Yes, I, I mean it had been a separate kingdom until at least very recently, um, and it certainly wasn't under occupation when he was a child. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is not a history podcast. We don't know <laughs> enough for it to be a history podcast. No, we I, I guess did, my, we didn't do the research. We really, really don't. So I'm I'm punching the dark here. I guess my far feeling is that to somebody, a Scotsman of 800 years ago, the idea of fighting for freedom, it just doesn't gel with me. So but that's, that could be my problem. I just feel like it's a very modern interpretation of a medieval situation, which is fine, I guess, because you kind of got to, um, to some degree, reframe the story in a way that a modern audience will understand and appreciate. If, if, if to, the freedom they were fighting for really meant I don't know, having a little bit more land to grow potatoes on or something. Um, that's probably not going to make a very interesting film. So I do appreciate you've got to make things a little more cinematic. But just the, the, the word, the way they move through the word, it's, maybe it's a modern thing for me, but to me the word patriot has got a fairly negative connotation in, in 2021. We've seen what patriots do. Um, and... Mm, I didn't like yeah. it. I almost felt very American, a very almost a very American way of looking at the situation. Uh, so I would, I would kind of say though that our idea of um, the meaning of the word patriot has also changed significantly in the last twenty five years since this movie was made. Um, so I think back, That's fair. yeah, you know, in nineteen ninety six, our whole idea of that was very different, and then since then we've seen it completely particularly in the u.s morph into something really quite sinister 
but you know 25 years ago I don't know that that was the way it was viewed that, that is an excellent point I can tell you right now that uh Home Alone 2's portrayal of Donald Trump has sort of morphed a little bit yeah. in the uh 25 30 years since that I thought hey look at that that's that famous guy and like now you're like it's mm, uh, exactly. a, a bit creepy um but yeah i'm being i'm being a little bit um i'm being a little bit hypercritical here i guess these things help prevent me really connecting with the story a lot i i guess i also found considering a little bit from your point there i found a love story with isabella and 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 uh william tacked on yeah, and it was one point in the film where I literally wanted to burst out laughing. It was so ridiculously ham-fisted. Um, so I guess no spoilers. It's a dead twenty-five-year-old movie. <laughs> <laughs> after after uh, after he is um, betrayed by the Scottish lords, which did happen apparently, um, mm. William tracks them down and kills them. Yeah, one by one, which is actually kind of cool. That that would be a Tarantino film I'd want to see. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> that's very him right um yeah. uh, but um at one point he he attacks a lord in his bed by riding a horse into his bed chamber yes and like killing him in bed and then while he's he can't escape because there are guards coming behind him so he jumps out a window of a really big one yeah um, really big into window a, into a river or a lake or something i'm like i don't know very much about horses either but I think it would be a significantly difficult thing to do to make a horse jump into a large body of water like that. Um, but, and it was just like, it was just something like you expect to see in like a spoof, yeah, you know, or, or, or a Robin Hood film where you don't expect to take it quite as seriously. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I do agree because it, it, I mean, it wasn't, they made it out like it was a window, but for that to have happened, it actually had to be a door going to nowhere. And that like it, the, yeah. that whole that whole 15 seconds just doesn't, did not make any sense. And whilst you say you almost burst out laughing, no, you actually did burst out laughing. Did I? I, was, I, yes. I don't remember. I was like, I yes, was trying to did. be polite. Um, <laughs> and not be an asshole because I know you like the film. Um, but I, I think the what, what, what I did find interesting when I read about it today was the, um, the scene where William Wallace is hung, drawn, and quartered. Um, they filmed a lot of that. Really? Um, they, 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 uh, being drawn were basically gutting him. Um, they, they apparently filmed that. Gosh. Um, but obviously, the film made a wise choice to pan off and yeah. to sort of insinuate what's going on, which is kind of brutal at the same time. Yeah. Um, uh, but at the same time, like, oh, guys, what were you thinking? This is you not a horror film. You need to include that. that. Yeah. No way. Yeah. I mean, again, Quentin Tarantino, maybe. Yeah, Mel, I don't think you're ever going to get that one across the line. No. But um, um, it's 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 been it's a it's been. I'm very glad to have seen it now because it sort of all falls into context a lot more for me mm -hmm. about what people uh, find so inspiring about it. Um, I, you know, I think it might have suffered significantly for me by the fact it has such a reputation. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah. I mean, if you if I'd never seen this film before, and in that famous scene where you know we, we will never really take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom, it's such a cliche now. It's been parodied a yeah. million times, and it's a joke. It's like it's like I'm, I always go back to when I saw The Godfather the first time, and they're like, "You sleep with the fishes," and you're like, yeah. "Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah." yeah. Um, 
it's been parodied so much it's hard to take seriously but i remember when i saw um gladiator for the first time um and russell crowe gives his big inspirational speech mm-hmm. to his soldiers at that i'm like that yeah that's when you get the chills down your spine you're like oh this is cool yeah and that's that's exactly how i used to feel when i used to watch that that whole scene whereas you know you can take our lives but you can never take our freedom that's that's exactly how I used to feel. Um, and there, there are several points in this film that used to used to elicit that from me. Did you not get any of that this this time around? Not even like a, like a memory of it? Oh, I, I, I definitely did get a memory of it. Not necessarily in that particular moment. That that one, like you say, it's been parodied, parodied so much. But the um, sort of like the first time he's talking to Robert the Bruce and um, and he's talking to him about, you know, if you just led these people, if you just actually fought for them, then they would follow you sort of thing. That one always gives me chills and it still did this time. And there was a great line in there towards the end, which I think Princess Isabella um, says something along the lines of not every man dies, but not every man lives. I think it was something along those sort of lines. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it does date from a 19th century. I found out it just has nothing to do with <laughs> the uh, <laughs> historical Braveheart at all. Um, but, you know, it's still, it's a cool line. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll pay that. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think it's a largely, it's a question for you, I mean, how problematic do you think the, the, the issues of women's treatment in this film are? Do you reckon your local social justice warrior is going to get upset about this one? Um. Look, if I, I think if this movie was made today, then they would. And frankly, if this movie was made today, then I probably would. Um, it, you know, watching it back this time. So I, as I said to you, like this was one of my all-time favourites when I was younger. I used to watch this several times a year, every year for, I don't know, 15 years. But I haven't seen it in over a decade. Um, and watching it back this time, that that whole storyline and the treatment of women in this um, really did undermine it for me. So I, you know, I think it probably would elicit that response and I would probably be there with them. It, it, it just reminded me, it, this film actually very much reminded me of two other, uh, of a film, a later film that Mel Gibson made called The Patriot, um, which was set during the American Civil War, mm-hmm. which was also disgustingly historically inaccurate yeah. um, and it was also the bad guys and that were the english as well hmm. yeah. Um, yeah i wonder if the english would get upset about this now if it was made a little bit more recently you know like uh anglophobic or something like that um uh it, it's it's a shame though i think it's a, it's a it's a fine example though that you should not get your history lessons from hollywood absolutely particularly not from Melbourne. i know you lots of Lots of Australians base their understanding of the Gallipoli landings on the film Gallipoli. Oh, really? Um, which, do not get me wrong, it's a very fine movie. Mm. Um, it's also terribly historically inaccurate yeah, as well. it's not a documentary. <laughs> it's a film and it's a fun movie and you can learn a little bit about it. But, you, you know, if you see a film like this and go, grr, England bad, you know, yes, England bad. I don't think there's any discussion about that. You know, they did. Yeah, colonize half the planet so mm-hmm. yes england bad but in this particular instance you know it might be worth looking a little deeper and as a, it's a cautionary tale not to get too caught up in what uh, a very entertaining hollywood story can tell you about history mm-hmm. it maybe it's a it's a good jumping off point if you find something particularly inspiring here to to dig up or dig around a little bit about what really happened apparently there's very little actual 
documentation about the historical mm. person Wallace. Yeah. But you can probably still find out a lot about what happened in the time period. So I'm sure it was a great deal of documentation around Robert the Bruce, as you said, mm. beloved Scottish hero, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, exactly. Um, but mm, just to be sure, you know, Mal Gibson isn't actually Scottish. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Should I spin the wheel? Yes, yes, you shall. I shall spin the wheel. Um, uh, I feel like I'm just going to should apologise to all the uh, Braveheart fans out there. I did actually spend some time this week looking for something in particular, and yes, I'm a sick fuck for looking for it, but for some reason, while I was watching it, was thinking to myself, I bet someone out there has written some pretty kick-ass erotic uh, fan fiction about this film between Hamish <laughs> and Mel Gibson, and I was deeply, deeply disappointed in the fan fiction community to find out there really wasn't any. <laughs> but just before we spin the wheel, one thing that I would love to talk about uh, or even just yeah. give uh, kudos to is the, um, the score, the music to this film. Just like cinematically, this movie is beautiful. The music in this film, I still quite often when I am having a particularly stressful day at work or week at work, I will put this soundtrack on because I just find it so beautiful and soothing in so many ways. Um, so I just want to call that out. Call out to James Horner for that. James mm -hmm. Horner was the um, the composer of a score, which apparently was reused in Castaway and Apollo 13. Yeah. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, James Horner won an Oscar. He won two Oscars, mm -hmm. but um, particularly probably most famously for Titanic. Yes. Yeah. James Horner is is has been for a long time one of my all-time favourite comp um, uh, soundtrack composers. What do you have the other one for? Mm, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I always think of him, in, in, in the late James Horner, he passed away a few years ago now. Mm. Um, but uh, he, uh, very him. Yes. Oh, uh, very him. So it was, you, it, like, you I'm not, I'm not like a, a big fan of movie scores. Like there are a few, like I can hear, give me Hans Zimmer. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, Hans exactly. Zimmer, right? like, Hans Zimmer is but, like, this one, I'm like, ah. All oh, the tin whistles and the yes. kind of thing. I'm like, this has got to be James Horner. Correct. Um, yeah. Very, very um, distinctive. Yes. Um, score for from him. Yeah. And I now have the wheel up, and we uh, see where we're going to land this time. We added yeah, some excellent. new ones to the to the list since we spun it last. Oh, what a treat! Finally, we have some decent, decent cinema. Oh. But this could be a little difficult to find. We have landed on the Care Bear movie. Oh, no. Oh, I oh. think this is one of mine. I remember seeing this when I was a kid and I liked I, it quite a bit. I feel like this is this movie is the whole reason why this podcast exists. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> it could be. Are you looking for an excuse to watch a Care Bear movie again? You know? Don't, you know, don't be judging. Um, it, uh, now, I, I should just note that we, we, we are doing things I have not explored how one views this film uh, in this day and age. So in just as a caveat, because I have a vibe that I might need to go deep for this one and try to figure out where one gets a copy of the 1985 animated Classic. And in fairness, this goes for six, seventy-seven minutes. So you know, 
um, where one might get a copy of the Care Bear movie. So just a caveat, dear listener, that if you tune in for the next episode, <laughs> and, and it's, it's not, not the Care, Bears. Care Bear movie, um, uh, it might just be a case of we couldn't find it and had to spin again. But Excellent. that is um, this is that was one of the reasons I thought I, I wanted to do the podcast was to go back and watch the real shit. <laughs> um but i just, you know academy award winning with you know like you know thousands of extras <laughs> oh you know what's uh, funny is that it mm-hmm. looks as though the care bears movie is on stan he's on stan well there you go there you go easy fix um it uh, that makes it a lot easier because i'd very much hate to have to have our listeners tune back in next time i go well we're talking hey, about a single white female because it's not, it's a bit like the Care Bears, but you know, like not really, but uh, you know, we, we, we just couldn't find the movie. Uh, there we go. It definitely is on Stan. Excellent. So if you think you've heard a short episode before, <laughs> you know, if you think it's, if you think you've heard some, some absolute dreck when, you know, you've got another thing coming, this mm-hmm. is going to be, a highlight of the uh, of the entire series to date. So that is something to look forward to next time. On that note, thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in. You can find the throwback on the Facebook for the throwback. We can probably put it in the description of the podcast as well, a bit of a link to the Facebook page. Do like and share the page. Do like, give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice, leave a review. That helps that significantly. Tell your friends. Uh, tell people you don't like. I don't care. Tell people in the street. Uh, I do. It, you know, I've only been arrested twice. It's you know, it's a fairly good way of advertising the show. Um, and if you have a suggestion, we do take suggestions. If it's something, you know, some sort of weird ass film you saw as a kid that you think would be interesting to hear us talk about, uh, to try to keep it in our sweet spot, eighties, nineties, if you can. Do not be like, well, you know, I saw Nosferatu in nineteen twenty-seven. You know, like, well. That, that, that may not really be up our alley, but if it's something you think we might fit our the show, do feel free to reach out. And we have a number of um, options on the wheel that come directly from people suggesting them to us. So feel free to join them. So, but with all that said, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much to my glorious co-host. Thank you. And I shall say good evening. <laughs>